Hello and welcome to Parkinson's Pathway Pals Tuesdays with Teresa. I'm Teresa Jackson, your podcast host. Today my guest is Eve Grill. Eve Grill is 22 years old and she's the oldest daughter of Anna Grill, a young onset Parkinson's patient. While Eve is embarking on her life as a young adult, having just graduated from college of the College of William and Mary and working in DC, she still looks to her mom for guidance in every aspect of her life. Parkinson's has inevitably impacted her life, but she believes it has brought many blessings to her life as well as her family's life. She's very excited to discuss her experiences today, and I am very excited to have her on. So welcome, Eve, and thank you for being a part of the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know this, uh, you know, this disease is huge for the person that receives it, but there, it's like a, um, a ripple effect. It doesn't just affect that person. It affects their children, their spouse, um, their parents, really just everyone that comes in that's in close proximity to the person that has received that diagnosis. So as a young person who learned that your mom had, uh, has now a chronic progressive neurological disease, I'm sure that must have been frightening. It's frightening for you know people that hear that. Um, you shared that there was a sense that you needed to care for your mom. And so I'm curious if you could share with our audience today, how did you learn to balance caring for a parent that has something, you know, chronic that's progressive in nature, such as Parkinson's, and then yet learning to trust them that they're going to be okay to take care of themselves? Yeah, that's, um, it, it was a very difficult thing, I think, for me to learn at first, because when you learn that, you know, mom isn't okay at such a young age, your first instinct is, to want to make her better. And I think at a very young age, I had to learn that sometimes there's just, there's nothing you can do other than be that person's daughter or son or loved one or friend. Um, I think there was also this sense that I had to kind of internalize that while my mom has her own struggles and I so badly want to swoop in and make them go away. I do have to trust that she has the ability to take care of herself Um, I know she tells me all the time she can take care of herself. She's more than capable of it, but it gets to a certain point where you have to sort of give them the freedom to still live their life, how they want to live it. Um, Because in a lot of ways they're restricted from how they used to live prior to the diagnosis. So, you know, you can't hover, you can't overly, you know, critique or sort of just helicopter them. I think giving them that freedom is really important, but also letting them parent when they can, I think is really important because this disease kind of hinders you in so many physical ways. I think allowing my mom to emotionally be there for me has been really great for both me and her, her, because I think it, you know, that's one thing that Parkinson's has not been able to take away from her is the fact that I lean on her still for so much, just in the same way I did um, prior to her diagnosis. And for me, um, that's part of our relationship that has never changed and is something I can always count on. And, you know, allows me to maintain the sense that regardless of what she's going through, you know, she can always be there for me. Well, I know your mom and I know she's a very strong individual, a very strong woman. Uh, capable of taking care of herself, but I also know that this uh, disease can cause us to have some limitations, um, but but it certainly I don't think your mom has ever allowed it to 
to define her and who she is. But I, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, I think that moment when we realize what at what, what, whatever age, that moment when we realize that not everything can be fixed, that is a huge, huge realization. And for you, it must have come very early because for a lot of people that doesn't come until they're, you know, 30 years old. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I can't fix everything in life. I can't fix all these health problems or, or other things that come into our life. So do you remember the moment of, that you realized what your mom's diagnosis was and the moment that you realized, oh, wow, not, not everything can be in life can be fixed. Yeah. So she was diagnosed when I was nine and then she chose to wait a few years to tell my sister and I, so I think I was 14 when I found out. Um, and even before that, you know, some of her symptoms became obvious and I kind of knew something was up, um, but nevertheless, there was really nothing I could do. So that was when I started to kind of, I think, subconsciously realize that some things I just can't fix and I just have to kind of make the best of, you know, when I, when I think about how to explain it, it's sort of like with grief, it never really goes away, but you learn how to cope with it. And I think with this, the pain of knowing that there are some things that can't be fixed doesn't go away. There are days when I'm frustrated and I'm scared, but I learn how to cope with it. And kind of a big, big part of that is just trusting, having trust and faith in my mom that, you know, even though there's nothing I can't do, she will do what she can for herself. And that's as much as I can ask for. Well, knowing your mom, like I I do know her, um, I remember something that she said to me on numerous occasions and that's control the controllables. And then you kind of just can't worry about, you know, the things that you can't control. And I think that's sound advice and probably a really good lesson for someone, for everyone, but certainly young people. How, How do you deal with the complex emotions as a child of this overarching, looming, scary, depressing disease? How do you deal with that as a, you know, as a child? I mean, not just even as a young adult, you're still young, you're very young and you're moving into your own life, you know, your own uh, rite of passage. But as a young child, those are some pretty complex emotions. So how do you deal with those? You know, when I first found out, I don't really remember understanding what was wrong. I, I like, I didn't know what Parkinson's was really. And I think they really downplayed it for my sister and I to not scare us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to do my own research, um, which is never a good idea. Um, But it was scary. You know, I felt like there was so much that I didn't understand. I almost felt lied to in a way um, because I felt like there was a part of my mom's life that was, you know, just so daunting and terrifying for, for her that she was shielding me from because she loved me and I completely understand why, but of course with the anger or I'm sorry, with the, with the fear and the anxiety, there was also a little bit of anger um, because I felt as though I wasn't being fully let in on everything. And that was almost scaring me more. Um, so, you know, as a kid when dealing with all of those emotions, I think for a long time, I was afraid to bring it up to my parents 
because I didn't want to kind of make it more of a big deal than it already was. And as a kid too, I think I was just so self-absorbed in my sports, my school, my friends, just being a normal kid, teenager. But as I've gotten older, I think the emotions have gotten more complex, honestly, about it. They used to be very simple. You know, mom has Parkinson's and it's being dealt with. Now it's like, okay, I'm 22. I have a more comprehensive understanding of it. I think the way I cope with it now is just understanding too that everyone has something that they deal with. Everyone has something. For my mom, that's Parkinson's. For my dad, it's something different. For me, it's something different. For my next door neighbor, it's something different. And there will never be someone with a perfect life. For this, for for my mom, Parkinson's is just kind of her thing. And that's kind of how I have learned to think of it. That doesn't mean I have days where I'm angry that at the world that she was diagnosed so young and that part of her life was taken away from her. And that doesn't mean that it's so scary and that, you know, we, we don't know five or 10 years what her situation will be. That's terrifying. But I think understanding that everyone has something and being able to spend time with my mom when she is able to still do a lot of things is also really important. I think, you know, thinking too far ahead is really overwhelming and thinking about the past and her diagnosis is just really painful. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've kind of settled on the here and now and trying to really embrace the present and just sort of being here with her. Um, because, you know, I don't have many other, as many distractions as I did when I was 14. You know, I have a real time adult job now and that takes up most of my time. So I do have time to process and think about her situation. And that's sort of the, the best conclusions that I've come to. I want to come back to that question. You said you do have time now to kind of process it. And obviously, you know, you're, what are you like eight years older? Mm -hmm. No more than that from when you, when she was diagnosed. So, you know, you've grown emotionally. We're going to come back to that question of how to process emotions, but there's something here I think is really, really important. And that's the, the fact that Parkinson's does not kill people. Now they may die of a complication, but it doesn't kill people. And I think that's really important message because it, it is a scary diagnosis. And for a child, you know, I know my daughter, she was almost panicked yeah. when yeah. I was diagnosed. So really, really important message for people and their loved ones that you don't die from Parkinson's. And I think that your advice that everyone has something is such sage advice, for, especially for someone your age. Because the truth of the matter is none of us know when we get up that day, whether it's going to be a great day or whether we're going to have appendicitis or whether somebody's going to be diagnosed with breast cancer or someone's going to hit, you know, have a heart attack, get hit by a car. We don't know. And we're really not in control of that. So control the controllables, as your mom says, and then just move on. Because the fact is everyone does have something. And I think it's really important. I talk a lot and I present a lot on mindset and that helps us build resiliency. And I think it's really important that our mindset is not to dwell on the things that we can't control. Absolutely. Not to dwell on that negative and not to dwell on the scary of what, what may or may not happen in the future, but to dwell on who that person is, what they can accomplish, what they do, you know, what they, who they are, not just 
uh, to be defined by this disease. So your, your advice really that everyone has something, no matter what their age is, I think is very, very sage and uh, an important lesson for people to hear today. But, but coming back around, um, you, you were talking about being able to process emotions and, you know, as a child, they're different probably as what they are now. You probably were more worried about, you know, your, as you mentioned, like your, your day to day, but now you think more maybe futuristic. So how, at an, how as um, someone that's 22 and starting their own life, how do you process those emotions? Yeah, it's, it's interesting um, because in a lot of ways I am at a very difficult transitional period. I'm coming out of college where I had, you know, I spent the last 22 years having distractions at every corner from, you know, school, friends, sports, outings, sororities, um, boyfriends, like I've had distractions at every corner. In May, when I graduated, all of those were taken away and I'm working, you know, I work from home though. I, um, you know, I, I'm, I work in DC, so I'm essentially living at home. Um, and it's, it's kind of just, I'm I'm slapped in the face with things that I didn't confront every day and, um, both, you know, my own stuff and my mom's, but I will say a big part of it has been my mom, because just like you said, you know, you wake up and you don't know if you're going to have a good day or bad day. You know, I wake up and I don't know if my mom's going to have a good day or bad day. I don't know how she's going to be feeling. And when she has a bad day, it's heartbreaking for me to see her, you know, react because she gets so just, you know, she has such high expectations of herself. She wants to be able to be the same mom that she was, God knows, like 15 years ago. But, and it's so hard to see how it mentally impacts her because more than anything at this point, I, I like, I don't care if she can't, you know, walk down the stairs without help. I don't care if she can't use a knife one night or, you know, needs to sit down or is a little shaky or someday. What bothers me, what really impacts me is seeing how it emotionally impacts for her. And because I know how wonderful and great she is. And I feel like sometimes, even though she, she knows how wonderful she and great she is too. Like if anyone knows my mom, like, like she knows she's great and she has a great head on her shoulders, but naturally when dealing with a disease like this, it can impact, you know, your sense of self. And when that happens, that's been really hard for me to kind of cope with. And it's hard. It's hard seeing a parent cry. It's not fun. You know, even though I'm 22, it's still weird to me when I see, you know, my mom or dad get emotional. Um, but I think part of it and part of, you know, learning to confront it has just been realizing that parents are people and they all have their stuff too. And just as I think I'm going through a big transition, you know, transitioning into adulthood, trying to figure out who I am. I think my mom is too, because, you know, she's getting ready to not really have me or my sister in the house. And now is a point in her life where I think she's, you know, learning how to redefine herself living with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I relate to her in that way. Also, I relate to, you know, the identity crisis she's going through. Um, 
And that I think in a lot of ways has been able to help me kind of confront it, realizing that, you know, my parents are people and they have stuff and what burdens me, what bothers me is a lot of ways similar to what burdens and bothers my, my mom. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, when we recognize that we have seasons in life, all of us, and, then, and whether we have a chronic disease or some kind of catastrophic financial burden or whatever it is in life that we carry along with us, we all live in seasons of life. And when our kids transition and we become empty nesters, that alone is a huge transition for many of us that are you know, really uh, involved parents. So that alone, that transition can be challenging, um, you know, being Eve's mom or, you know, your sister's mom or so-and-so's wife to, to owning what you are, that transition can be difficult, but then you kind of sprinkle a little uh, Parkinson's on top of that and it uh, makes the mix a little different. I'm curious what advice you might have for someone that was younger. You said like nine when you were diagnosed, I think is when you said, and you learn more when about the time you were 14. So anyone out there that might have adolescent children that's trying to figure out, they're newly diagnosed and they're trying to figure out how do I help my kids learn about this, not be so frightened. Um, what, what advice do you have for adolescents that to live their life at, you know, at whatever age they are and to, to live it without the feeling of guilt that their parent is struggling with something so big? I think one really big thing I had to realize was I have to live my life and I can't feel guilty for moving on when I feel like I should be helping my mom or helping around the house. There was a big part of me a lot of times in college when I would come home for breaks, even in high school and middle school, when I would go hang out with friends or just leave the house that you know, I, I did feel guilty. I felt like I was missing out on time with my mom or leaving her when she was upset or struggling as a kid. I think it's really important that they understand that that's not their responsibility. Ultimately they need to focus on themselves and mom and dad will be okay because they have other resources. They have friends. A lot of times they have their own mom and dad. They have doctors, they have people they can talk to. And a kid's job is to just be a kid. Um, that was really important, I think, for me to recognize that, you know, I, I you, you kind of have to separate your life a little bit from them. I think also realizing, like I said before, that, you know, it's okay to ask questions. When I was little, I didn't want to bring it up. Um, I was afraid to ask questions. And ultimately that, you know, led to me finding out answers on my own, which were completely inaccurate and completely dramatized. Um, I would say, you know, for parents with young kids, encourage questions, um, like tell them the whole story because not knowing I think is just as, if not more scary and painful. Um, and you want your kids to sort of feel empowered in a way you want your kids to feel as though, you know, they think you can handle it. I think, um, obviously, you know, if they're five, don't, you know, give them a full synopsis of the scenario, but empower your kids with the information to be able to deal with the reality of it on their own while also leading their own life. I 
think that's important because I think, you know, what happens when we don't give people uh, information is they fill in the gaps and it's usually never right. Um, So while while you're exactly point on with, you know, you don't tell a five-year-old in graphic detail what's going on, but you give them what's age appropriate, right? And when, when you get to nine and 12 and 14 and 18, if you're not giving age appropriate information to those questions, people begin to fill in the blanks. And like you said, it can be very inaccurate and very frightening because it, they're, you're not getting the right information. Um, I think another thing for adolescents, and I think this kind of sums up what you're saying, but it's okay to be happy, even if your parents going through something kind of hard, it's okay that maybe things are, you know, you're doing well in school and you've got friends and you're made the soccer team or what it's okay to be. In fact, your parent would want you to be happy. So I feel like that's kind of what you're, what you're saying is to own that time in your life and not be so guilt ridden that your parent is going through something difficult that you can't enjoy your season of life, you know, that adolescent season of life. So let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about, I want to talk about um, the, how people or how a young person copes with the fear of the unknown. But before we talk about that, I do want people to understand that there is hope in the unknown as well. We're closer to a, you know, a cure than we've ever been. Um, you know, hopefully in, in your mother's lifetime and my lifetime, we'll see a cure and a cure may not mean like what you think of cancer, like I have it, I don't have it, but it may be stopping the progression or maybe it comes up with a drug that doesn't impact people negatively. I don't know, but I, I think I, I don't ever want to dwell on Uh, just the fear and the negative. I want people to hear very clearly that there is hope for a better life with Parkinson's. But we also, I think, as a responsibility need to talk about um, how do you fear with the cope of the unknown? You mentioned that unknown from five years from now. So how do you deal with that? Well, I loved what you said too about there being hope. Um, For me, I've always tried to look at the unknown with an optimistic outlook Yes, it's scary, but there is also a lot of room for adventure and opportunity. And within that, there's a lot of room for happiness and joy and, you know, progression. Um, But it is only human to fear the unknown. It's human to want to control the outcome because we don't want a bad outcome to happen. We don't want our deepest fears to come true. And, you know, I've, I'm looking into the abyss of the unknown as a 22 year old right now. Um, I have no idea like where my life is headed, what I'm passionate about, where I'm going to be in the next three months. Um, And that's terrifying. This is the first time in my life where I haven't had the next grade to go to, or I haven't been told that I have to get a summer internship. This is like, I was just handed a job um, and kind of, you know, the world is now my playground and I just kind of have to navigate it. Add on top of that, my mom is still dealing with Parkinson's and that is another layer of unknown and uncertainty that my friends don't deal with. Um, and that is isolating that none of my friends have a parent with a chronic illness or a parent dealing with some sort of physical condition. Um, but I, I, just have to kind of have faith um, that no matter what, everything happens for a reason. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's gotten me through so much. Um, And you just have to keep moving forward into the unknown. 
like head on face it and just have faith that as long as you're kind of surrounded by loved ones who will pick you up if you fall and support you when you're rising that, you know, you'll be okay. Um, especially when you're dealing with a parent with Parkinson's, it's almost comforting. I think for me, because like I said, my mom and I, in a lot of ways are dealing with similar feelings right now of not knowing what's going to happen in the future. So we can relate to each other in that way. And I think having been able to lean on her through this time, she's been an incredible emotional support system for me because Parkinson's, you know, while it's a terrible disease and um, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, it does come with blessings in the sense that it allows you to see life in a certain lens and have a very unique perspective on obstacles. And she's taught me a lot about sort of embracing the unknown and kind of adjusting how you view things that once scared you. Um, yeah, honestly, I would say that's the biggest thing when it comes to the unknown is kind of just facing it head on and surround yourself with people who love you and adjust your view on it. You know, every time I talk to someone that um, is dealing with Parkinson's, whatever their role in role is in that, um, I always hear always every single time people say there were gifts along the way that they just didn't expect. And I think for me, one of those gifts is this urgency in life to embrace things that are important and let go of things that are not and realize that, you know, it is important that we make the best of today, that urgency to make sure that we are telling our loved ones that we do love them and things are going to be okay. Just that, that sense of awareness and to be present today. Um, And I think that's a huge gift that many people it's a different level when you're dealing with a disease like Parkinson's. You also mentioned happiness and joy when you were talking about coping with fear. And um, I think that kind of segues into my next question. And and that really is what can you share with our listeners about learning to celebrate the little joys in life? You know, I think I was just talking about this with my sister last night. It's so ingrained in us that we have to strive for perfection and greatness and these monumental achievements. And I think at least having grown up in Northern Virginia, which is a lot of sort of, it's a competitive, it's competitive academically, athletically in all, all the ways. Um, And I think we lose sight of what really matters when it comes to, you know, the material surface level definitions of success. For me over the past, you know, few years when I've sort of really been able to come to terms slowly with my mom's condition, I've, I've completely redefined what success and what happiness means for me. Um, when it comes down to it, for me, the biggest thing I need in my life 80 years from now is love. I don't need a lot of money. I don't need the big house. And I think that perspective has completely come from my mom feeling supported and sort of like I'm part of a community that is from my mom. I think also understanding that we have control over our happiness. My mom is contends with emotional and physical and mental battles every day, but is still one of the most optimistic and joyful people I know. And that's because she chooses 
to focus on the little things in life that make her happy and that are like the little wins. And I think that's a really powerful message that so many people are just so wrapped up in the day-to-day and, you know, achieving these materialistic surface level. And by no means am I undermining, you know, those achievements. I think they're wonderful, but they do come with a sense of anxiety and stress that you don't get when you're just focusing on finding little wins and appreciating all that, all it is that makes life so beautiful, because I really do believe that life is beautiful. You know, if you have, if you wake up every day and you can say that you have three people who love you and you're going to see three people that put a smile on your face that day, you're winning. That's a beautiful life. And I, I just think it's so sad how people lose sight of just how, how, how much control you do have over being happy. And that's not to say you're going to have really difficult and sad times where it feels as though there are, you know, the little things are just stupid or meaningless or pointless. And, you know, you're just mad at the world. I have that constantly, but I think it's about even in those moments, knowing that that's temporary and part of what makes life beautiful, I think is the really dark, stormy, dark and twisties that you have to deal with sometimes. And that's what makes us human. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think, in a, I think in a weird way, you kind of have to embrace the, the bad stuff while really trying to focus on the good little things that life is really about. Um, and just not, you know, not get too caught up in the day to day. Yeah, I think uh, when I hear you describe that, what I hear in my own mind is that it's hard to appreciate the light if you've never been in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I know you have a sibling and I am curious um, if you guys had the same reaction or different reactions to the news that your mother had Parkinson's disease. Yeah, she and I are very different. (laughs) Um, She is much more... um, logic. I'm much more emotion. Um, she, I believe, you know, I think my mom mentioned this in her interview, my sister, like I said before, my sister and I started to notice that like something was wrong. Um, and my sister, you know, took it upon herself to go in my mom's medicine cabinet and find one of the drugs she was taking at the time, looked it up online. And it, you know, WebMD told her my mom was dying of like some horrible disease. Um, so that kind of forced the conversation, I think. And my sister, even though she is much more, um, logical than, you know, logic when it comes to sort of dealing with big, big stuff like this, um, she was really scared. I think she was honestly more scared than I was granted. She is two years younger than me. Um, but you know, she deals with fear through, um, she, you know, she really likes to be in control of things. And for her, I think the biggest part of this process has been learning that at the end of the day, she has no control over what my mom does or what happens to my mom. Whereas for me, I have had to contend with more so how I feel like it's emotionally affecting my mom, because for me, it kills me to think about her not feeling amazing or like herself or powerful or confident as a woman, as you know, she was, you know, such a 
you know, she's just been such a role model for me my whole life. And so it's hard for me when she doesn't see herself in that way. Whereas for my sister, I think it's just really hard for her because she wants to put a bandaid on things and just fix them, you know, like she wants the quick and easy solution. And that doesn't exist with Parkinson's. Um, so I think for us, we've honestly balanced each other out in, in ways. Um, we've leaned on each other, I think, a lot throughout this. Um, you know, and at a certain point, this is our life. This is our normal. Mom, our mom has had Parkinson's for a good amount of time now. Um, and we have normalized it in a lot of ways, but on the days where it's really hard or one of us is scared and we're just kind of confused or, you know, if my sister is upset with, you know, something my mom is doing that because she doesn't think it's going to help her, you know, progress or help her symptoms. We have learned how to sort of lean on each other in that way. Um, but you know, we definitely reacted differently at first. And I think now we've come more in alignment as we've gotten older. Um, but it, it, it is interesting sort of how we, um, went separate ways at first, um, and have slowly been able to find common ground and just being able to lean on each other. Yeah. The word control, um, really stuck out as you were talking, that word stuck out to me because I think so many of us with that type of personality and I tend to be that, you know, it's very analytical and there's a a solution for everything. We just haven't thought of it. And when we come to the realization that we really don't have control, right? We don't have control. not just over Parkinson's, over anything. True control is not ours. And when we're able to release that, it's almost liberating. It's like, okay, I'm going to control what I, what I can, and I'm not going to worry. I'm going to try not to worry about the things that I can't. So I I can relate to, to that wanting and actually just needing to be in control uh, of, of the whole situation. Um, we're getting close to closing today, but um, before we do, I wanted to see if there's anything else, if if you just think for a moment, if you're in a room and you were able to talk to uh, all types of young people that had just heard that their parents are one of, you know, their mom or their dad had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. I know in speaking to a lot of people that have had, or that have Parkinson's, whether their children are 20 whether their children are 50, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a daunting thing to process. And kids within the family have very different reactions. Some are like, okay, what do we need to do? Let's, let's take care of this. And some are angry, you know, why this happened? You took, have taken care of yourself, that sort of thing. So if there was anything that you could say to a room full of young people that their parents had just received that diagnosis, what would you want to share with them? No, I think first of all, whatever reaction you have is entirely valid and you deserve to be scared. You deserve to be angry. You deserve to want a solution and you deserve to cry and be sad. All of those are valid and expected and they're not going to go away. Um, And that's one of the ugly truths of living with a parent who has Parkinson's. However, I think part of those emotions is this sense that, oh my God, mom is, or dad is, or whatever, they're, they're struggling. They're, they're hurt. They're, you know, not themselves anymore. And 
I'm not going to have the same mom or the same dad that I once did. And that could not be further from the truth. If anything, I think Parkinson's, Parkinson's has amplified the qualities of my mother that I already admired so much. Her strength, mm-hmm. her resiliency, her humor, her ability to bring people together and, you know, her selfness, selflessness too. Um, in no way, shape or form are you losing that person. If anything, their personality will just shine through more. Um, because with every single Parkinson's patient that I have interacted with, the one constant has been just how incredibly strong they all are and how they're just not going to going to let this beat them. There's this general sense that, you know, this is happening. It sucks, but you know, this is just something that I've just got to deal with. It's my thing as everyone has one. And that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop being the person I am. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to do the things I love to do to the extent that I can do them and find new things I love to do. I think also understanding that, you know, you're don't, don't, yes, you can feel sorry. You can feel mad. You can feel angry for your parents, but don't pity them. Um, because Mm -hmm. if anything, they are going to be fine. I know my mom has found such a wonderful community from this entire journey. And, you know, that's something not a lot of people get. She's made so many wonderful connections. She's had incredible opportunities because of the work she's done and the people she's met. And she is the last person I pity. Yes, I'm angry for her. And yes, I feel sad for her on days when she seems to be struggling, but in no way, shape or form do I pity her. So to sum all of that up, I really think the biggest thing is to just have hope for your parents and know that they're going to be okay and that they're still your parents. Yeah, I think that's that's really, really um, well spoken. I think of, you know, I've had people when they find out I have Parkinson's, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And while I appreciate that, um, I've never met a person with Parkinson's that said, please give me your pity. You know, they don't want that. It's like, I don't want to be defined by it. Um, I'm going to continue to live my life. And so don't, don't pity me. I think that's really important. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share today? Gosh, I haven't covered. So, if there is one thing, um, as you know, my mom started the Young Onset Parkinson's Disease Network, um, which is intended to help individuals with Young Onset Parkinson's. Um, and I think as a shameless plug, but also as a genuine <laughs> Um, genuine, you know, words of advice. If people are looking for a community that understands what they're going through, um, by all means, check it out. Um, I think it's so important. I've seen with my mom, this can be isolating and that's a network that's designed to give you companionship and community. Um, and it has so many wonderful resources and you're going to learn so much and have cool opportunities and, yeah, just be able to lean on others who are dealing with things that even your closest loved ones can't really understand. 
I think that's awesome. I don't think that's a shameless plug at all. I would uh, I would expect nothing less. Your mom is an amazing lady and is doing what she can to offer hope and help to those that are uh, unfortunately diagnosed with this disease. I, I love your admiration for your mother and your uh, your wise insight, especially for your age. I want to thank you for your transparency and just the rawness in which you shared yourself tonight. I really, really appreciate it. And um, so I just, a big thank you to you and a job well done. And to our listeners, I just say, please subscribe and we'll see you Tuesday.